listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 439. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. So what do you say? Let's make some LSD. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, uh, we've been talking about not Fringe. Because I cooked some up last night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Walter. Um, oh, I see what I just did there. Yeah. yeah. I meant Walter White. Oh. oh. And I forgot we've got Walter Bishop. Uh, yeah. Nice. Well, he, he wasn't making LST, though. He was making no. Crystal Meth. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, we've been talking about Fringe for how long? And it, it's it's been since 2008 that I saw this episode and, and know, season one, of course. I can't even get my head around what was going on in 2008. I know. So I, I think it's definitely appropriate, and I'm looking forward to it. We've got 20 episodes to take a look at. And then uh, after that, who knows what the heck we'll do uh, when we get to the end of season one. But, um, you know, we will see. Yeah, we got uh, got about 20-some weeks before we have to make that decision. So. Yeah absolutely so if you guys want to contact us with episode feedback questions whatever sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us join the facebook group if you haven't already all right you want to go first this week with uh, what you're watching yeah so i think i mentioned it briefly last week um that not money heist again no no i, I didn't <laughs> just teasing <laughs> I didn't mention Money Heist. I, I talked about at length, but I think I, I briefly mentioned how uh, that Money Heist new season dropped pretty much the same time as the new season of Lost in Space dropped. So uh, I went back and just rewatched season two, just kind of just trying to get my bearings as to what the heck was going on and everything. And and I, so far, I've just watched like last night. I watched the first episode of the new season. So I've, I've only I'm only one episode in season three. But that's just such a you know you just it's I I defy someone to not like lost in space like it's just such like this even it's just one of the shows you know as as bad as things are you just know they're gonna find a way you know I think there's some comfort in that you know like you might say well then there's no stakes you know no one dies and there needs to be real stakes I'm like I, I disagree with that I think sometimes I think a show where you know that the characters are going to face some deadly danger, but are still going to find a way to, to win out. You know, I know it's maybe a little old-fashioned, but, you know, I kind of like that. So, you know, the characters are great. Uh, all the kids, obviously, they had to push the timeline ahead a year because the actor who plays Will keeps growing. And, you know, they definitely would not be able to portray him as, as being, you know, starting right after the end of last season because it's been two years and he's a you know adolescent boy and he's growing and getting taller and stuff so so yeah they've they're they're now a year ahead in the future um all the other characters basically look the same because they're all you know mature adults pretty much the the first episode was great you know classic deadly danger find a way through it robinson's band together family bond you know working together to get stuff done so Really enjoyable show. I like it a lot. Cool. And it's just not that kind of show. So when you were talking about the stakes, I mean, we get that. And and that's, as you said, perfectly okay. I accept it. And I haven't gotten to season three yet, but I, I definitely am looking forward to it. It's one of those shows where if I wait for my wife to say, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, let, let's watch it. Because she watched the first two seasons. 
I, I might be here for another month or two. So <laughs> I'm going to have to, I think, be a little aggressive and get her to, uh, you know, sit down and agree to watch it. But All right. yeah, looking forward to it. I reached the end of Battlestar Galactica season two. Loving the rewatch. I failed in my attempt to like Wheel of Time on Amazon, and I just <laughs> doubt whether I'll be back. Did, did you try again? I tried again. Never did say you? never. But uh, I also finished series 13 of Doctor Who, and, and I liked the finale. I wasn't crazy about the yeah. split Doctor device where we see her in three different uh, times. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. It was okay. I, I mean, I, I think the characters in this series are, are just the best they've had in a long time. And yeah, Dan is awesome. Dan yes, is just he, spectacular. He's such a right, great Right from the start. Companion. And, and, yeah. Right. And uh, even the, the secondary characters, I, f- I forget the older gentleman that was a professor of some sort that, oh, that yeah, yeah, they yeah, stumbled yeah. into. Right. I mean, he uh, was great sacrifices himself there at the end and then of course uh again i forget his name gray worm from uh game of thrones but uh you know he and and god bell i think is is his girlfriend's name they they were just such a great couple Ah, he knew he looked familiar oh yeah yeah. Um, he's got hair and stuff. His hair is awesome, man. Oh my god! He should have had that hair oh. in Game of Thrones, man. That is the coolest oh. hair I he, think I've ever seen. In yeah, a, in he a, may be one of the coolest. Ever. Yep, yeah. he may be one of the coolest characters uh, yeah. I've seen in a long yeah. time. He's super so, cool. Uh, Love that guy. Yep. But anyway, so we'll look forward to the uh, specials on the first of the year. But we got a lot to talk about with Fringe. So why don't we get yeah, to we it? There's basically right. two episodes here. Yeah, exactly. So episode one, titled Pilot, uh, written by J.J. Abrams, Roberto Orsi. Oh, God, Kurtzman. What the heck is his first name? Alex Alex. Kurtzman, uh, directed by Alex Grace. Think about those three names together. Like back then, it probably didn't mean that much, but you see them together now and you're like, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They had these three guys working together. Like that's how freaking good this show is, man. Yep. Uh, directed by Alex Graves. It aired September 8th, 2008. And this was J.J. Abrams' first project after Lost. And of course, Lost was still running at this point. But he created the series with Alex Kurtzman, who we know from Star Trek Discovery, uh, among a bunch of other works. Uh, Roberto Orsi, Mission Impossible, Star Trek Into Darkness, which we talked about one uh, episode Mm -hmm. of the podcast. And, And of course, J.J. admits to being influenced by the X-Files, Twilight Zone, Altered States, and, and, you know, certainly we see those influences in this first episode. As we said... Well, now you mentioned that, I mean, it's one thing, actually, one advantage of doing this now, this podcast now, like, so many years later, is now we don't have to listen to people calling in telling me how much like how this is just like in lost and this scene is just like something that happened in lost oh you see why he did that it's just like in lost like man i just remember when they were talking about well back when you know again we, we're gonna mention clinton daryl a lot and that's one thing i remember for them is sometimes people would just not shut up about lost it's just like it's a freaking different show like it's not like you know jay abrams is sitting there saying okay, um, we got to put tons of stuff in here that make reference to Lost. Go. You know, like, all right. So anyway, 
I just need to get that off. I, that's been brewing for like over almost 15 years now, Dave. <laughs> I had to get so, off my chest. <laughs> well, so what you're saying is after we're done with Fringe, you want to do season one of Lost? Well, I, season one would, might be great. You know, that's, that's not, actually, that's not out of question. But no, okay. I don't. Okay. I didn't <laughs> I like, so. I love Lost, but just, I, I, I can't. I can't handle everyone, all the people who still to this day think every single thing in the 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 sci-fi canon or the genre canon in some way uh, owes its debt to to lost. You know, I, I don't know, whatever. All right. all right, all right. Sorry. Now, sorry. Uh, Fringe ran for five seasons, a hundred episodes, even, and lead actress Anna Torv actually won four Saturn Awards for her role as FBI agent Olivia Dunham. But the other thing that's interesting, and I remember this vividly, is that the pilot that we're going to talk about tonight actually leaked onto the internet three months before it premiered. And, you know, at the time, J.J. Abrams was, was you know, out on the uh, Internet pointing out that, well, it's not the final edited version and, you know, you know, don't know how it got out there. But then there were rumors circulating that they deliberately leaked they it. They did on which, purpose, yeah. Yeah, which I kind of believe in. And again, I, you know, managed to download myself a copy at the time and, and watched yeah. it on my laptop. So and waited my, five hours for it to download off your yeah. dial-up. Yeah, well, no, I, I was uh, actually, I think I still had satellite at that time, but because uh, when we moved in here, we, there was no cable in my area. So right. uh, anyway, all right, well, let's get to uh, get to this episode. And, and you know, I, I mean, certainly we'll talk about things that happen chronologically, but, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the characters, if you don't mind. And, and, no. and, and obviously FBI agent Olivia Dunham, played by Anna Torb, is is first and, and we see that opening scene where she's in bed with agent scott she gets the call from her boss and heads to the crime scene and again is that a trope of course it is we've seen that so many times sure. but uh, of course we well a lot of times it's a dude getting the call though right it, like sure she's and she's the, the one getting the call she's the one who leaves so that's something i mean that, i because there's so much like it's been ages since i've seen this so there's a lot i forgot i forgot that the very first time we see olivia the first thing we hear are bed springs squeaking and then her in the post-coital throes of a cheap motel room you know and i'm like wow that's that's a weird choice to start off you know like because olivia i mean she's obviously super attractive but it's like it's almost like we don't see her like that you know because she's like she's she's like an action hero right so like well, sure obviously her the sexual aspects of her you can see like they you know they hit that obviously that's the first thing we see like oh so are we supposed to see this character as like in a sexual manner is that how we're supposed to view her is that the the lens through which we're going to see everything she does but really quickly we kind of forget that actually and we we see her as the very serious-minded professional ambitious uh hard-driving you know fbi agent that we have seen dudes play bazillions of times well now here's a a woman playing so you know now that talking i think that you know that's kind of what they're doing right they're taking all those tropes that we usually see with the a male fbi agent and they're bestowing them upon a female so is it of course it's fine that she's having sex right she's adult she wants to have consensual sex go for it then she, you know, and then she gets up and she goes straight to work. And then now she's in work mode. You know, if we see a dude do that, we don't question that at all. 
So why right. should we with a woman, right? Right. And, and I think she was married to Mark Valley, who plays uh, John in real life at that time. I don't think they stayed married for very long in real life. But uh, really? yeah, I do. Uh, well, because he happened. was working with the plan or the pattern somehow. Yeah. How can you stay married to a guy who's involved with a pattern like that? Now, the opening scene, I mean, for me, just screams Twilight Zone. And, and, and of course, there's that famous Twilight Zone episode and actually well, in the reboots, right, that they did it in the reboot as well. And they did know, the movie. German, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Plane encountering turbulent weather. And, and, and then, of course, the camera's focusing on that one guy who injects himself and, you know, then the, unleashes the virus that causes the flesh to melt. And and, and, that one guy is Agent Petty, and I, don't, I know you haven't seen Ozark, but he has a big part in, in Ozark. You know, we started Ozark, we got through the first four. I really liked it. My wife put the kibosh on it, so I've not been back to it yet, but I really, yeah. really like that show. Yeah, but, it was good. Uh, it's good. Well, it is good. It's not done yet. Yeah. So she gets to Logan Airport, so we, we, you know, we're set in Boston in, in the Northeast for at least this first episode investigation starts and and you know we're waiting for the cdc but one of the first things we see about olivia is broyles who uh played by lance reddick is in charge of this multi-agency task force that's trying to figure out what the hell is going on here and he's making assignments and and she's left out and, and she you know tracks him down and right away there's this hostility that he shows towards her she doesn't let it you know get to her so she's you know certainly comes across as i don't want to say aggressive because that almost has negative connotations right but as she says if i'm going to do my job i need to be in the loop right and what we we see her as you know not to harp on this too much because i know i've already mentioned like this because there is you you have to look at a lot of this through a feminist lens, right? She is uh, like the only woman really around. I mean, she's not the only one. We see other women agents. But really, like in this little inner circle team, she's the only female. She's the only one that doesn't get an assignment. Uh, she is treated differently. She has to listen to Broyles call her sweetheart. And then, you know, later Peter, the same thing, calling her honey and sweetheart. And everyone, you know, demeaning her and, and like putting her down as if, her role, her, her 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 being a female, being she's not worthy of of respect, and and you really see her having to deal with like that kind of boys club mentality early on here. Um, I think we later realized that Broyles was really just, you know, it, it was all kind of part of the the the, the scheme. You know, right? This whole thing is just like a a, a, a almost like a scam for Broyles to get Olivia on board with with Fringe. Well, you know, and it's funny you bring that up at this point because on the one hand, is this simply his way of testing her to see if she has the metal because he knows what kinds of things she's going to face moving forward? And of course, I think that's certainly true. But then there's that question we get at the end. Who do you think sent you to go to the storage facility where you were nearly killed? And... Of course, that was Broyles that right. sent her there. So sure. on the one hand, you know, as you say, and I agree with you, it seems as if he wants to bring her in, but he wants to make sure she's up to the task. Right. On the other hand, 
he sent her into a situation where she almost was killed. Now, maybe that was part of the test as well. And I I, I think all of this is almost like Broyles, like kind of baiting the hook, you know, like, like if he just comes out to her and says, Hey, there's all kinds of freaky stuff happening. I need you to help, help me out to figure it out. She'd be like, whatever. But if he gets her involved and she sees firsthand all the freaky stuff, well, you know, now she, now she, now she sees it. She knows the consequences. Now she, she has to be, she can't say no. And he, he basically tells her as much, right? You, you can't see what you've seen and then walk away from that, you know? Right, right. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned the pattern already, and we certainly, you know, get that X-Files feel to it that, okay, are they going to be exploring, you know, these fringe type events of course with the x-files at the heart of it all is is an alien um, invasion and you know collusion with the government we don't certainly get that sense here rather it seems to be science and the military science and the government whatever run amok because there are no uh, you know, really controls placed on them. I mean, and again, we're one episode in and we probably should have mentioned it up front. You know, we've both seen the entire series. We're going to do what we always do this. It'll be spoiler free for, for what's to come. And then at, at the end of the episode, we'll do a little spoiler zone where we yeah. maybe make a few comments for those people that have seen the entire series. Yeah. If, um, if I, that's probably, if you're looking for predictions, like you're not going to, because it's pointless to, for us to say, oh, I predict, because yeah, we like know pretty much this. Though, in my defense, it's been a while since I've seen it. So there's a lot of stuff that I've forgotten about this. You know, anytime I, if, I, if I wonder about something, I'm not like pretending I don't remember. Like I literally don't remember and everything. So I'm just um, actually wondering. Or, and I don't think I'll be making any predictions at all. But yeah, you know, like obviously we've seen it. So um, there's there's definitely things here that, that made me wonder, you know, how much they had planned what happens later, even at this early stage. You know? Yeah, and we'll get to a couple of those things in the spoiler zone for, for, for sure. But, you know, certainly Fred, anybody in the Facebook group, you know, predict away because as yeah, Fred has, has mentioned, this is a first watch for him. So we get that explosion at the storage facility. But even before that, we see that somebody's got some sort of really horrific animal experimentation going on. Yeah. And, you know, the scene in the plane is even worse than expected once we get in there. And, yeah, that and goes course, south, like, fast. Like Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, we're yeah. expecting, like, this, you know, a guy freaking out and maybe he sees someone on the wing or something. We did not expect everyone in the plane to faces start melting right away. That was yeah. crazy. And by the way, BT Dubs, while we're on it, this is 2008, which is after 2001, which means if the co-pilot hears shit going down in the plane, Dude. there's no way is he going to open the door to see what's happening. Like, right. not an effing chance. So, I mean, that is that out of all, I know to like, harp on that as the unrealistic thing that happens is crazy because there's so many mental things that happen this episode but that's the one thing you're just like bullshit you know it's like there's no way that that would happen but of course it has to for um 
for everyone to die, right? Yeah. Now it's funny because I I have the complete uh, ser- series on DVD, and I the first watch. Uh, with my wife was watching it with me also and this is a first watch for her uh, i was watching it on dvd but today i wanted to rewatch it so i just ah, i'll call it up on amazon even though i've got to sit through com- a few commercials oh, here and there how much and how long was, was it how long was it with the commercials oh it wasn't very long the commercials were really short and there weren't that many but they have uh, they, like they, little, I think they're, little they're kind to you early and then they they nail you the further well, on you get well anyway. they have little notes that you know when when you put your cursor on the screen so they were talking about all the continuity errors in the car chase at the end which was kind of cool that you know in this scene there's it's snowing and then it's not snowing he's got his lights on here but not there is so doesn't uh, matter in the big picture yeah but, i didn't catch any of those oh. right but but the cdc has the plane set on fire so on the one hand are they trying to destroy evidence or is, is this the prudent thing to do and you know, I, I think the sense we get by the end of the episode, it's the is probably, yes. a, yeah, it's probably <laughs> a little of both. Uh, but but maybe to to certainly to hide things, we are introduced to the character of William Bell, even though we don't meet him, and we aren't going to meet him for quite a while. Oh, okay, you know, like yep. all the time, it's like who's and I'm like, oh, I remember who William Bell was. Now. Right, yeah. right. Okay. So William Bell is the. Uh, CEO and, and the founder of Massive Dynamic, which is this. <laughs> so it, it, it's turning the, out I to think be. The I name guess pretty much says it all. I think with that one, you know, like right in parentheses, evil corp. Right, but, right. So you know, and, and that little billboard that that we see in that one scene. What do we do? What don't we do? Yeah, and. and <laughs> Just, uh, you know, certainly we'll, we'll come back to that quite a bit. Dude, there but- was so much in this episode. It was like, it was like when you haven't seen your friends in like a long time, and then all of a sudden right. you see them again, you're like, dude, you know, like Astrid and Gene the Cow and yep. the, the tank. Yep. And, you know, there's just so much stuff. I'm like, oh, it all just came flooding back. It's just like, oh my God, there's so much stuff that they establish right here in the very first episode that are like mainstays of the entire series. Right. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about Dr. Walter Bishop played by John Noble, who, who again has appeared in tons of genre shows over the last 10 years or so. Return of the King. He was Denethor. Oh, okay. Because she wants to save John's life. She starts searching for information and comes upon a Dr. Walter Bishop as a possible lead to help John because he, he you know, is it, did experiments and studies on these sort of flesh melting. I forget what she actually searches for. Well, there's but, a bunch of different things, combinations she puts in and like his picture keeps coming up and just like. Right, right. And she makes a connection between the Hamburg flight and what has happened to uh, Agent Scott and we learn right away that that bishop is forbidden from having visitors other than immediate family he's been in this institution for 17 years and it's not really clear why he's there we learn that there was a accident in his lab somebody was killed well okay is is he a um you know, was he convicted of something? Of no, they manslaughter? Said he, he, they, he, they, he was found not competent to stand trial. 
Okay, that's so that's what it what was. Put in St. Clair's. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you you know certainly throughout this episode we we see him regaining his wits after being in St. Clair for seventeen years. In, in terms of Olivia, you know, getting access to him, she's. I, I think one of the most compelling aspects of this episode is is how she gets Peter to do what mm-hmm. she wants. And of course, you know, my wife, you know, is watching along and, and in that opening scene where we talked about with Olivia in bed with John, it's like, Oh, she didn't say I love you back. I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's yeah. true. She didn't. And then she addresses that later. And then, but I, she still never says it. She never says it. And, and yeah. then, of, and then, you know, when uh, Olivia finally tracks down Peter, of course, Mary immediately like, Oh, they make a nice couple. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. Let's spoil it. for the spoiler zone. Right. But, <laughs> uh, you know, she goes to Iraq to track him down, and she's done his, done her research. But just the, the way in which she bullshits a bullshitter. Yeah. And on the, on the one hand, we might say, well, well, he's not really, you know, he really knows what he's talking about. And we get that scene where he's, trying to convince those Iraqi oil men to take him on as some sort of a consultant at 600,000. And they're talking amongst themselves. He's like, I also speak Farsi. And then we're like, of course you do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and, and what a great character, but we'll get to him in a second. So she gets to the hospital with Peter and he's like, you're on your own. I, I, I don't want to see, the man that I yeah. haven't seen for 17 years. And we don't know super, what's caused this super calm, right. but we, we, we get, I mean, there is a, there is a lot of stuff between this father son relationship here. Like this is a complex relationship. We got right. Here. And, uh, we will address that in spoiler zone a little bit in, uh-huh. in um, you know, half hour or so, or, or, or however long it takes. It's almost as if Broyles doesn't expect her to get that far. Now does Broyles, know about dr bishop and is he just kind of waiting to see if she will make that connection and track bishop down i don't know maybe i i think that's certainly a possibility you know that that one scene where she you know comes in and he's at the terminal and you know he's like just he won't even turn around he's just going to ignore her until she says that yeah i got bishop it's like slowly i turn it's like oh okay right so so this is you know Again, obviously, I, I have a, a strong concept of, of what is to come. But even that was a question. Like the, when I watched this the first time, I'm like, when Broyles reacted like that, you think, oh, he's just kind of like impressed. Like, oh, well, maybe you're not just, you know, again, because we, from what we've seen of him at the time, he seems to be a really hardcore misogynist. So maybe he's just like surprised that she was able to do her job that well. But I think this is like, ah, she took the bait, man. Like, she grabbed that worm and she is running with it right now. You know, he totally, like, this is where he wanted her to go. And, and she, she did exactly as as he, he wanted to, is, is what it seems to me. Yeah, now that enigmatic reaction that Bishop has to, you know, her finding him uh, at St. Clair's, I knew someone would come eventually. Now, you know, on the one hand, he's never had any visitors because it's only immediate family, and apparently Peter's his only immediate family. So did he have some sort of a sense that his 
projects that, of course, he hasn't worked on in 17 years would somehow lead somebody to eventually track him down? Or is it just, you know, this pedestrian statement that nah, I knew somebody eventually would come? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, it could be. Could be but, either of those. But, you know, right. like, you just got to, like, you know, I mean, you talk about, like, iconic characters, right? No. Olivia oh, Dunham, Peter Bishop, Walter Bishop, Broyles, Nina, like, all these characters are just going to become, like, freaking icons you know just like i i can't even talk about it. but yeah like um and and john noble is such a, a a great actor and the way he walter swings from one minute like lucidly kind of analyzing what olivia's trying to get him, and the next minute he's asking about like pudding and stuff like that you know and he's just like all over the place it's just like you know i mean this is walter is such a complex character right like probably the most complex character in this show out of a show that complexity is its second name we just don't know what to expect from walter you know the, I, I i almost i envy fred to see seeing this for the first time because as you're watching you just don't know what to think about this guy one minute he's like this brilliant scientist the next minute he's going violently trashing equipment. The next minute he's sitting there watching SpongeBob and laughing on a couch. Uh, the next minute he's putting probes in the back of Olivia's neck and putting her in a, a, a sensory deprivation chamber. It's just like, you know, like, is this guy like, I mean, he was just in a mental institution for a reason, right? Is he a, a, a dangerous madman or is he a, a brilliant, misunderstood scientist? Right. And at this point, you know, you had mentioned a few minutes ago that, that he was put in St. Clair because he was mentally unfit to stand trial. But, but, you know, we never really learn anything about the actual accident that led to the uh, person's death. And you know, while it, it apparently crushed him emotionally, I mean, was it negligence on his part and and i don't want to belabor that point you know we'll, we'll you know address it in a while but but the other thing about dr walter bishop for those of you that have seen the series already we also know even at this point he's harboring this terrible secret and you know we'll, we'll address that a little bit in the spoiler zone you know in in a little bit but peter doesn't want anything to do with him but walter wants to see him and i was struck by how quickly peter agrees to see his father i almost half expected him to fight olivia over that and i guess on the one hand as you said we understand how much he's suffered throughout his life i mean his father's you know been in st Clair's for 17 years so we don't really know what his youth has been like outside of the fact that he, you know, conned his way into MIT and, and all of that. I mean, of course he's, he's brilliant as we'll, you know, talk a little bit more, but the first thing that Walter says when he sees Peter, I thought you'd be fatter. And hmm. I, I mean, you know, there's just some great lines that generally yeah. all go to Walter and, and, and that's certainly. And, okay. and, and, and Peter, uh, you know, Josh Jackson, uh, Charlie Conway for the Mighty Ducks, um, I know he's also on Dawson Creek, but I'm a little bit old for the Dawson Creek era. Yes. But uh, so, well, no, he was in the affair with Dominic West on HBO, which is just a freaking uh, outstanding series. 
Okay. And now he's in so. Dr. Death, which I'm not sure what, uh, I think it's on Showtime or something. Okay. That looks really good. But um, anyway, Josh Jackson is awesome as the straight man, you know? Like, he's he always has, like, a quip, like, well, that's not crazy, you know? Yeah, right. Like, like he's the one who is, like, kind of always pointing out how freaking mental the stuff Walter wants to do is right. But, but on the other hand, as you just said, he goes along with it. Ultimately, like he thinks it's a terrible idea for Olivia to, to go into that tank and be injected with tons of drugs. But yet, you know, when he realizes, especially I think in the face of Olivia's will, I think that's, you know, that's the thing. He's like, almost like right away we see, He's there to have Olivia's back, like 100%, you know? Right. And Olivia doesn't have the science background that Peter has. So so just as you said, he he's that, that voice of reason. As she says later, I need you because you're the only one that speaks Walter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and she's exactly right. And, and we really see that, especially once they're in the lab. And, of course, to get him out of St. Clair, Peter has to sign him out and take responsibility for him. And, of course, Olivia's like, hey, all I need to do is make one phone call. I have my phone out now. (laughs) So, uh, again, which, of course, turns out to be a a big bluff. But they that's a huge. I mean, she went she went big on that bluff. Like she obviously, as she said, it was easy to see that Peter was in trouble. And that, you know, it was very likely he was in, because well, it's 2008. I mean, not that Iraq is, you know, the, the, a safe place now. But 2008, it was really a place where it was not okay to be. So his presence there obviously means that he's in some kind of trouble. So she just, you know, reads the situation and, and plays it. But man, does she play it. Right. And and of course, we, you know, we get some insight into his intellectual background. He's got an IQ of 190, which is apparently, you know, 50 or 60 points above genius. And and again, it, through that conversation that we mentioned a few minutes ago, we, we see he knows a lot about a lot of things. And then once they're in the lab, um, you know, why does why does Walter want a cow? Well, Peter knows because cows share a lot of our DNA. There's only a you know a couple of things that are different, but well, but and, we also, and you might want milk, <laughs> right? Um, but we also learn that some of the work Walter was doing back in the '70s, you know, and this is when Olivia's trying to convince Peter to to sign on, uh, reanimation, teleportation, mind control. He's like, oh, wait a minute, reanimation, so you're telling me my father's dr frankenstein and you know we kind of get a little taste of that here particularly in the final scene with nina that we'll get to in a couple minutes but he opens up to olivia about how he got into trouble with the gangsters and of course that's where it comes out that nah, there's really no file on you so yeah i mean outside of the you know the basics that she she used to track him well, down and I, I, I think that it's like the the how both olivia and peter end up kind of signing on for this project yeah um, re- reveals a lot about you know both of their characters that you know it's especially peter it's definitely in his 
what he wants and he sees as his self-interest is to get the hell out of here and go live his own life. He has wants nothing to do with his dad. You know, he wants to, you know, whatever it was he was doing before, that's what he wants to do. But he, after this experience and after what they've seen, you know, he makes the morally correct choice of, you know, like staying to try and, and combat this, whatever this thing, this pattern is that that's going on. Yeah. And I mean, comes to see his father in, in a entirely new light after True. this series of events, but it, it takes a while. I mean, Walter wants to take a skin sample from John Scott and, and immediately Peter's horrified because Walter's got a scalpel in his hand yeah. and you know that Olivia is a bit concerned herself and probably knows that peter's right but we don't have any choice well so so are we like oh sure as the the audience we're like "Ah, i'm with peter here you know like this guy was just in a mental institution because of 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 what he had done in his past uh just handing him a scalpel i'm not so sure that's a great idea right now you you mentioned uh walter hooking up Olivia, you know, with the thing in the back of her skull. But but before we get to that, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about Philip Broyles, played by Lance Reddick, who is in charge of this multi-agency investigation. But but we we learn the source of his antagonism towards Olivia is because that apparently she was in the military and investigated and apparently convicted a Marine of rape. I mean, when we hear his reasoning we're horrified yeah, oh you're going to put this guy away for a lapse you know drinking too much and a lapse of judge and she's like are you effing kidding me right right yeah and, uh, that th- there's a lot of stuff that happens in here that you know i don't i can't even think if like all right w- was this kind of like not as bad in 2008 but in 2021 just definitely does not fly because that line does not fly at all well, I agree, but it does give us a sense of this character, and, and if that's why it's in there. I, I know what you're saying, and, and I think it was still pretty bad in 2008. Nothing like it would be now, of course, but I, I think you would still make a case for writing that character in a series now if you're trying to set up you know, a, a certain relationship, but you know, regardless you know, we, we get back to John Scott. He's got 24 hours to live. And, and of course, Walter posits that, well, look, I can hook Olivia up to John's brain so she can see what he saw because they need to track down this guy, Stieg. And it, it, basically, it's a shared dream state. And of course, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, Peter's like, wait a minute. Yeah. He's going to jam this spike in the back of your skull, ply you with LSD throw you in a sensory deprivation tank naked and you're good with that. Yeah. <laughs> and of course we see, you know, the, the apprehension in Olivia, but John would do it for me and it's a full go. And, and even though she doesn't say, I love you back, you know, that's kind of a sign that, you know, maybe she does love him. So now, right. once we get to the end, I'm not sure well, sure she's well, going to. Well, so that, that's actually, so there's that scene where, you know, Broyles basically insinuates, I, I feel like there's something between 
you too. And she like shoots him this really nasty look. And I'm like, why do you give him that look? He's right. You know? But then also I'm like, oh, but you know what? He's like questioning her professionalism. Like saying that, oh, the only reason you're doing this is because you're banging this guy. But I mean, you know, I mean, that, that suggests that she would not do this if it were anyone else. And you get a feeling with Olivia Dunham that she would do this for anyone else. Yeah, not just no, for I, someone I that she's emotionally involved with, you know. Right. Now, it was a pretty cool scene when she's in the, the sensory deprivation tank. And, and again, one of the first camera shots we see, and, and it's, it's from her perspective. And of course, Walter and Peter are peering down at her and they're upside down. I took a great screen cap of that. I don't know if I'm going to use it or not. And, and then once they close the tank and, and we, we see her floating in the water and then uh, just this the, these really cool visual scenes where you know she gradually connects with uh, John's brainwaves and and you know we see her in that that long gown or you know whatever it is and and, and eventually she does see Stieg through you know John's eyes and okay did, did you feel like they identified him a little easily you know <laughs> well yeah they need to, to move it along right like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah because like the, like she does the picture on the computer i'm like um that okay. doesn't the, really look like him at all and then the other yeah, agent like, yeah. right he comes in with the picture oh yeah this guy was on oh, the plane hey, oh yeah, right oh okay yeah so uh, he's got um, a twin yeah, right, right. There's definitely some some aspects and that was there fine. of right. Again, we 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 get it. We're like that probably happened a little quick, but I get it. But they don't. That's not the point of the episode. Is not this manhunt, right? Really, what we we are are getting is this introduction to Peter, Olivia, Walter, Broyles, Nina, to lesser extent Charlie and Astrid, Gene Nacal. You, you know, so like they're, they're not, they don't, they don't need to spend a whole bunch of time with them, like following leads and everything. Like, let's just cut to the chase. I'm good with that. You know, cut to the chase and, and let's go. Um, but another thing you said about the, the scene before she gets into the tank, there's a couple things. I mean, obviously, the, again, the, our first interaction with Olivia is the bed spring squeaking, right? So sexual creature, but but no, like um, she, she just drops her. Right in front of Peter, just drops the towel. Uh, she's there in her underwear, but it's it's not you know like we don't get that. Yeah, you know, we talked about like you know we, you mentioned Star Trek in the darkness before the whole scene with the, the underwear scene um, in, in that movie. Peter does not. There, there's no like this leering over her or trying to get a good look. And you know, he's so concerned with with her as like as a person. You know. And when Walter shoves the the probes in the back of her neck, you know, that camera is is circling the three of them, right? It's such a great, well-shot scene uh, of the camera just going around them. And, and like, and, and that helps this, you know, kind of this aura of, of just craziness and insanity. Like, she is doing this, right? She's going to take a ton of psychedelic drugs get into a sleep deprivation chamber and try to connect with her, the, the brain of this other person, you know? Um, but Peter is there to, to hold her and support her. And like, like I said about Peter always being there 
to always to have Olivia's back. You know, we see that after, you know, despite all the, the sweethearts and the honeys and all this stuff, you know, it pretty quickly, he drops that kind of talk. And now it's just like, you know, his genuine human concern for her. And, you know, w- once we make that connection to the, as to who this guy is, it, it's the connection that he has with massive dynamic that gets our attention. And you mentioned FBI agent Charlie Francis, and it's not Charlie. clear whether whether she's Olivia's boss, his her immediate supervisor, played by Kirk Acevedo, who we know from 12 Monkeys. But Band I, of Brothers. I for- oh, right. I forgot about that. Dude. Uh, what? But- oh, my God. I know he's Um, Joe toy, man. But one of the things that still drives me crazy, it seems like he's always shouting and screaming (laughs) and it just drives me insane. I I think that's kind of like Kirk Acevedo as like, I mean, he's just like, he kind of is the same guy, no matter what role he plays, you know? Yeah. But But he's great. I love it. Like I, I am personally, there's nothing wrong with that. If you can make a living, like he, he's just basically, I, I, I just assume he's kind of like that in real life because it's almost like, well, I mean, that that's a stretch, I know. But, you know, it's just like every, almost every role he has, he's kind of the same gruff, macho, tough, understated type guy. And when he speaks, it's like, as you said, very loud usually and everything. So, um, right. but, but, what, but but what he says to Olivia, it just really strikes me in in light of this connection with Massive Dynamic. How do we protect the world in which corporations have higher security clearances than we do. And that obviously is going to be a battle that Olivia and her team, and and it certainly does seem as if, you know, we have a team of four, you know, by the end of this episode. So, you know, we'll certainly see. But once they track him down and, and you know, they, they go to Stieg's and, and again, oh, the old, you know, walking on the floor that, that creaks and you, you know, geez, the, the carpet didn't even obscure the, the door yeah. to, the, uh, to the basement lab. But, but that scene then when Walter's begging Peter not to send him back when this is all over, that he's been punished enough, it's, it's, it's really heartbreaking because we're not really sure what Peter's going to do. I mean, look, I mean, you know, from the perspective that, okay, they didn't get Joshua Jackson to have him in one episode and yeah. Okay. So, you know, but, but still it's a heartbreaking scene because Walter really doesn't know what his son is going to do because he doesn't know his son. And right. You know, despite the fact that, as you say, Peter has been changing as he's gotten to know Olivia through the you know this series of obstacles that they they've had to fight, you know, I, I I don't know, but dude, again, one of my favorite scenes is when Olivia has Stieg in the interrogation room, yeah. and you know he's uncooperative and and you know she gets frustrated and and leaves, and again, one of those things that drives me crazy. I'm like, dude, you left like how many file folders on the desk? Now, granted, it might have been one of those things where she wanted him to look, but no. But then all of a sudden, Peter's out there, and he's looking around. It's like, okay, let me go have a shot at him. And well, it's right, like, because he, he sees him on like the closed-circuit TV. And, you know, again, yeah. what Peter says is he's really good at is reading people. He looks at him, right. he's like, I got this guy. I can yeah. break this guy. And he does. 
Right. He goes in and, and, and again, he does what has to be done. And Olivia's like, on the one hand, no, you can't do that. Well, okay. But, and then again, they, the, I love the way they edited the scene is that he, I'm going to count to one, one, and we don't necessarily know whether he actually hits him. I, I think we get the sense that maybe he did. No, but I think it he, cuts well, yeah, but I think a second he smashes time. his, well, he, he punched him, like his face is messed up because um, when Peter tackled him, uh, when they're chasing him down, he punched him in the face a bunch. But then he sma- he starts smashing his hand with the coffee mug. Right. But, um, you know, it's funny. I, I was watching Battlestar Galactica before, uh, you know, came upstairs to record. And, and of course, if you've seen BSG, you, you know, we see the reveal of the 12 Cylon models as the series progresses. It's like, well, wait a minute. That, whoa, whoa, I just saw that guy down on the planet how oh must be a sign right, yeah. okay. right. and, and and you know the scene where olivia makes that connection that john is in fact involved with the terrorists if that's in fact what these people are i mean they they throw the terrorist word around and and she even questions whether they're terrorists but you know what else could they be at this i mean well, we what other yeah, label would you right well what is what, well that's part of this whole thing of like a fringe division is just right. dealing with stuff that's just like doesn't make sense in any other manner, you know? Right. And I mean, so we get the car chase, and, you know, he kills Stieg in the hospital. Great car chase. Yeah, I don't care. Cool. I don't care about lack of continuity. Awesome car chase. Totally reminded yeah. me of the Born Supremacy, which is one of the best oh, okay. car chase scenes ever. Okay. And, you know, the, she goes up, the, who are you working for? And then, of course, he dies without telling her how Broyles is involved. And, you know, as we talked a little bit, you know, before that. But, yeah, but, so, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Fred says it's just like they just spent so much of this episode to save this guy. And as soon as he's saved, they freaking kill him off. It's like, yeah. Well, well, WTF? <laughs> You're just like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, you, you've mentioned Nina Sharp, played by Blair Brown, a couple of times, and, right. and again, she's a great character. We don't see her a lot in this episode, but but she is the uh, I guess number two at Massive Dynamic, and Olivia <laughs> thinks she's going to meet with uh, William Bell. I mean, of course, that's like saying, well, you know, I I, I want to hey. see Jeff Bezos, and yeah, I want to see him me, now. Let me see Jeff. Yeah, Bill Gates, I, I, need, I need the point of them right now. Right. Know, like, yeah, so she done. gets a measure of cooperation and, and Nina, you know, gives that little background about how uh, William Bell and Massive Dynamics saved her life. You know, she's got the robot cancer. arm. Super cool. That's yeah, a little creepy, but cool. cool. Yep. <laughs> and she asks Olivia, well, do you think Steve's part of the pattern? Oh, you don't have clearance. Right. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my you God. Know, of course, that goes back again, to what Charlie said. Hook, right? right? Like yep. setting it in, like getting everything that happens this episode is really right. to get Olivia at the end to make that choice to tell him to turn the car around and let's go back to Harvard, right? Yep. But she posits that science has developed at such a rate that it might be, on, be beyond our ability to control it. And we've talked about that idea how many times that, you know, science run amok and, and, and the responsibility scientists have, you know, and, and is that's what 
what's going on here with the pattern? I mean, we hear Broyles. I think he said there were like 35 events worldwide over the last few months and all sorts of different things. And I don't think it's necessarily important to, you know, specifically talk about the ones that he mentioned, a kid disappearing and coming back and that hasn't aged a day, whatever. But what is important is that that final scene where John Scott's dead body is brought to massive uh-huh. dynamic. Of course. Nina finds out. Why, why, oh, why wouldn't, only, why, why wouldn't right. the, the dead body of an FBI agent who had just committed treason, apparently, why wouldn't that be brought to massive dynamics? Right? Well, how long has he been dead? Five hours. All right. Question. Question him. <laughs> so we I don't it. know like, at this point. Like, that, that, in a nutshell, is like why this show is so awesome. Like right. how long has he been dead? Five hours. All right, question him. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah, like and that crazy type of crap. That is like, that, like this show just that. That's what this show is all about. Like, right. complete insanity. Charlie is in, in the lab at Harvard. He says, "Is that a cow?" <clears throat> and Olivia's like, "Yeah, it's Gene." Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. It's it's completely normal every day. Yeah, it's a cow why not you know like it's so like that's just like the 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 crazier the more insane something is the the more it's the the realm of of this show right and and you know as everything is winding down we get that great scene where olivia is basically begging peter to stay with his father that, that we need you and of course peter's reluctant you know, e- even though, you know, Peter has now learned about the experiments Walter has done, did in the past with William Bell, and, and he doesn't say a word, but Peter lets Olivia know that he's staying. And I just thought it was a wonderful scene that, that uh, and again, my wife's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to be a couple. So, well, yeah, uh, her, her boyfriend just died, you know, she's you very attractive, know. you know, like, yeah, let's, yep. yeah, quiet, you know, I got, I got nothing on my calendar. I'll stick around for a little bit. So, at this point, what role does Massive Dynamic play in the pattern? I mean, I think it's clear that they play some role, uh, and then by extension, William Bell. But we've already put reanimation on the table. Yep. So what does that mean for John Scott? And we'll just you know, leave it at that. Uh, Apparently, it's going to be questioned. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing that occurs to me certainly on this rewatch what role might walter bishop have played in the pattern as it's constituted not an active pattern but are 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 we going to learn that things he did 17 years in the past have come to fruition in 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 some manner in in the present so well you definitely i mean i without a doubt i think they pretty much they directly Establish that right i mean the the one of the reasons peter is staying is because he he feels this sense of responsibility because he knows his dad like he because he, he was talking to like he said i talked to my dad and he told me all the crap he did and oh my god <laughs> you know, like, right you know like this is just the tip of the iceberg so yeah clearly what walter and and william bell uh did in that laboratory is directly related to what what's going on right now yeah and and i think watching walter adapt to live outside the institution that has been his home for 17 years is also going to be something that will you know look on favorably and and i think the relationship that he'll have with peter is 
certainly going to be important. But but also with Olivia, because I, it seems likely he'll almost come to see her not only as a colleague, but but as a daughter figure. I mean, she's the same age as his son, roughly. So I, I would think that is going to happen. We we talked about Peter. He's obviously a genius. So you know, he he's that that scientific buffer that that is insane, Walter. Olivia, you're not going to let him do that. And I suspect we're going to see and hear that a lot moving forward. But what's the next step for Olivia Dunham's team? I mean, okay, fine. They solved this crisis. Now what? So, you know, is it going to be a case of the week? Is it going to be serialized? Yes. Is it going to be like X-Files, which was a combination of both? You know, a really awesome first episode for sure. So, so good. Honestly, like, well, I was thinking about, like, all right, what first episodes of a show have I liked as much as this one? And the only one I could even come up with. What do you think I'm going to say? Um, I don't know. I would always say Alias. I mean, for me, that oh, was Alias one of was the best pilots. Good. Yeah, that was pretty good. I was thinking Firefly, actually. Yeah, Firefly. It, then... You, <laughs> Of course, no, we won't go into how Fox screwed that up, but anyway. But yeah, right. But I mean, the, the actual first episode, not the right, one right, that, right. that Fox showed first, you know. I mean, it's just, I'm just watching this just to, like, I'm seeing, like, just every, almost every second of this episode reminded me why I love this show so much. And, like, almost chiding me, like, why, almost like, again, like I said, like, Fred, you haven't visited. Why haven't you visited me so in so long? You know, where you been? Like I'm like, why have, why has it been so long since the last time I've I've seen this show? Because it is so freaking good. Like, yep. you know, it's just like transcendently one of the best first episodes of a show I think I've I've ever seen. All right, Game of Thrones might be another one I would throw out there um as being like that first episode just but even you know, even though first episode, maybe not that great. I mean, just like you're you're hooked, right? Like you watch this episode and you're you're hooked. Like okay, like I, I'm watching episode two for sure. All right, uh, you want to move on to Fred's feedback? Sure. We will be back in a mo. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewards. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe, season one, episode one. Well, 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 well. This was on my list for a, such a long time. Because you always talk about it and other podcasters in the genre field also talk about it. I really always thought I have to watch this. But as you said, there are so many other things to watch. Like you said in the Hemlock Grove podcast of last week. It's the same for me, of course. And this is a good uh, stick behind the door, let's say. I don't know if that's an English expression. To finally start watching Fringe. I actually had the same with Stargate SG-1. I actually never had that with Lucifer, although you did recently just the pilot and that did get me hooked, although I had my doubts in the beginning. But yeah, there is too much to watch these days, new series for which I also want to give feedback. So for instance, Star Trek Discovery has its fourth season and now The Expanse also started with its sixth season. So for Star Trek Discovery, I give feedback to Fantastic Geek. But I also actually sent the same recording, just with a little other announcement at the beginning, to Fangirl Zone. And they say it's okay, that it's just all the same. Perhaps not so nice for people who listen to both podcasts. 
And for the expanse, I will go back to my most original podcaster, Mark Decote in Canada for Solar Talk Media. So if there are people who want to hear me, then they can go there if they watch that series anyhow. But I have to say, I still have a big problem because listening to podcasts is something I do on my cycle to and from work, as everybody knows by now, and not much in the house or around the house or whatever. And since of COVID, I'm partly at home, so I really lack time of listening to podcasts. And I find it very difficult to just give feedback and not listen to the podcast or just skip through it. So there is one discovery podcast that has a podcast of two and a half, sometimes three hours, and I just can't listen to it. It's just too long. I already have difficulty enough to cope with the other ones of 45 minutes to one hour. So in that way, COVID limits me to the amount of podcasts I listen to instead of uh, increasing it, as you could expect. So when you're sitting at home, you can listen to podcasts. But when I'm home, I'm doing other things, of which one is watching series. Okay, really enough about all my uh, listening and watching habits. Let's go into Fringe. So the pilot is a double episode, of course, and it was good. It was because halfway I thought, mm, is this not a bit too peculiar, too unlikely, too far-fetched? But by the end of the episode, I really got hooked. And I'm curious what is happening in the second episode, but... I cannot immediately watch it after recording this because I have to do a lot of, well, between air quotes, uh, homework because I have to grade a lot of essays. When Dr. Walter Bishop announced that Olivia should get naked in the tank, in the water tank, I thought, well, okay. Was that a disappointment? Okay. Not, not that bad. It's okay. But what an awful story if you see what she did to save John Scott. And then at the end, he is still throwing his life away, which was very hard to see. The car chase was good, but I thought, ah, she just saved his life. But okay, and I think she has a kind of double grief. So he betrayed her, or is it really a betrayal? And he died after all. Well, I think she will get over it quite soon with that Peter Bishop around. I really got quite annoyed by Philip Broyles and later Peter Bishop calling Olivia honey or sweetheart, etc. But at a certain point she makes a remark about it, although I didn't understand it very well because she says to Peter, call me one more time, sweetheart, and I really like that. Uh, what? Didn't look like it was ironically meant. Would be nice if you checked that. It's 28 minutes and a little bit into the episode. I found the attitude of Walter towards his son Peter quite admirable. Although the first words were, I thought you were fatter. But Peter is constantly insulting him or at least saying you're insane or don't trust this guy, he's insane, etc., etc. And Walter doesn't react to that actually at all. He just goes on. And by doing so, he gets a little bit of respect and trust back in his son because what he did and what he established was not that bad for an insane person. Unless you count uh, eating Chinese food on the couch with a cow. But they were all three involved. 
So, who is the madman? Okay, that was all for now. Looking forward to the next episode. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Um, you know, does Olivia feel doubly betrayed by John? Yeah, I mean, how could she not? Yes. And, and, and of course, um, you know, will she be attracted to Peter? I mean, well, that's, you know, if that look. I mean, we, we, I mean it's, it doesn't take a genius to see that. That's coming. I'm not saying Mary's not a genius. I'm just saying that know, obviously saying. Sure. They're, they're getting shipped early, right? Exactly. Sure, sure. But the other thing Fred mentions that, quip that olivia you know her response to another one of peter's sweet i don't remember if he says sweetheart or honey and she says yeah that's i I really want to hear another sweetheart she's like uh call she says call me sweetheart again i really like that you know it's like um yeah that's like that's like a that's like a threatening challenge in america right you say say that again like yeah, yeah, like say that, say that again. Like you're saying, say it again, and I'm going to freaking punch you in the face if you say it again. Is yep. is basically what she's saying. Yep. All right, you want to move on to the spoiler zone? Well, a couple couple things about about Fred. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, stick behind the door. Fred is not a thing in English. Next time, maybe say it in Dutch so we can hear it because I think that sounds like a pretty cool saying. But I get what it means though. Like it's like impetus, right? It's like something like uh, like I see the carrot. I guess, right? Maybe the carrot in front of the, I don't know. I didn't realize Expanse Season 6 had started, so thank you, Fred, for telling me that. Crazy uh, or far-fetched is basically what Fringe is going to be all about. So, I mean, get used to it as we as we go through that. Um, yeah, that that's all I, all I got. Okay. All right, well, we're going to spend a few minutes in the spoiler zone. If you have not seen the entire series of Fringe, you might want to stop actually. But before we go, because the, the spoilers, okay. <sighs> can I drop a couple lines here? Okay, I'm sorry. So the one was where Walter says, "I'm Walter," and they probably like Peter's like Bishop Walter Bishop. <laughs> he couldn't remember his name. All right, Charlie's there, and he Walter comes by. Livy says, "You could probably strip into your underwear." Hello. <laughs> Those are just two lines. This is like two totally Walter lines. Okay, I'm sorry. Spoilers over. Right. Let's hit it. All right. I, you know, for me, certainly we hear about William Bell and, and we haven't seen him and we're not going to see him for a, quite a while. But we're dude, in the spoiler zone, right? Yeah, we're in the spoiler Mother zone. Now, but, I mean, who Mother better? Freaking Nimoy. Who yeah. better to play this mysterious, enigmatic figure than Mr. Spock? Yeah. And, and when it happens, and, you're just like, ah. And, oh! <laughs> and, and Leonard Nimoy at the time, he talked about how he really didn't plan to you know want to come back and work in television again but that the part was just so great and the show was so great that so that he was great. really motivated to do that so um you know and, and you know the connection between bell and, and walter bishop will, will certainly get explored but but the other thing and i mentioned early you know the, this terrible secret yeah. that Walter harbors, which what I was referring to is the fact that this is not really his son. Right. This Peter Bishop is the one that he took from the alternate universe right. and, and doesn't know he was taken. Right. And, and that's what I was wondering is when did they establish, did, did they do that this season? I can't remember if they established so. that alternate universe this season. So that, that's why I question like, 
you know, there, there's a lot of stuff here that, for what we know now, we take, you know, like, I, I think the the one point where Peter says, um, you know, something along the lines of, you know, don't, don't tell me what, what I've felt or what I've suffered or something like that. You know, that's, um, you know, it, it, it has a lot more meaning when we realize that Peter is this stolen child from another world, right? That, that Walter created a rift between two worlds, went into it because his Peter died. So out of grief, he goes into the alternate universe, which he'd just been watching. Um, but he actually goes there, grabs Peter, brings him back here to raise him as his son. And that's kind of like the core of obviously the, this this deep, you know, kind of animosity that Peter has towards his dad. But also, you know, he 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 you know, again we see like that that interplay of that that love he has for his father. That's this guy who he's, he's known as his father. He doesn't remember the other world. He doesn't remember being taken. He was old enough that he could remember it, but he, he doesn't. And then, of course, that plays in because there's also another Olivia out there and everything. And Olivia is important because she is a she can she can travel between the worlds, right? And she was experimented on when she was a child. So, like, her, you know, she's Broyles clearly targets her which we learn later. Um, but you know, now, you know, we see, well, obviously Broyles is definitely targeting her because he knows who she is. Right. And he sure. knows that she was part of these experiments when she was a child. Yep. Yep. In fact, when Walter sees Peter for the first time in the institution, he says, I thought you'd be fatter. It just occurred to me. Does he say that because he knows who this Peter really is. And, and again, I'm not sure what connection it would, you know, you know, why this Peter would be fatter than, than the other Peter, but I don't know. It just struck me that way at the time. So, right. Well, um, I think he was a chubby kid, you know? Yeah. Well, probably. he says that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, that, that's, it's just wonder as I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, like, did they, you know, I don't know if they had planned out exactly where they went with this show because the show gets even crazier. Like once they establish the two worlds, that's really when this show like kicks in, right? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you know, without a doubt, that's like the the really main part of this. So, you know, did they have that planned out or did they just leave things kind of like vaguely mysterious and then they could go whatever direction the writers wanted to go down the line, you know? So, well, let's not go too deep into the, uh, yeah, I know. I didn't mean to even talk the, that much. Oh, no, 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 no. I think we, I think we were, you know, we were good for this. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, based on, you know, the things you were just saying, I can't wait till we get to use the, uh, moniker faux Livia. Olivia. We so, may have to do season two of this. I don't know. Yeah, oh, dude. <laughs> you know what? I, I honestly, that occurred to me today as I was watching the uh, episode for the second time. Anyway, all right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there. I mean, needless to say, a plus. I give it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I don't it's, think it's not any. even not even question. Not even the yeah. question. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this look at fringe uh, we got 19 more episodes to go or maybe more who knows that will do it though for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear what you think of fringe 
you know, any final thoughts on foundation, uh, anything going on in your genre TV world, join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 2 of Fringe. But until then... Yeah, Dave, I'm just so psyched to be talking about Fringe, and it's just so exciting that I just pissed myself. Just a squirt. Ha, <laughs> ha,